This time on Pod of the Planet, Iceland is having a volcanic moment. I'm Marie Denoya Aronson. And I'm Francesco Piandella. Welcome to Pod of the Planet. A podcast about our extraordinary planet Earth as experienced through the eyes, ears, and instruments, in some cases, of our researchers here at Columbia University's Earth Institute. Nicely said, Francesco. Um, most of us hear about a volcano spewing lava, and we want to run the other way. Not so for Lamont Doherty, Earth Observatory volcanologist Einat Lev, who is just back from a trip to Iceland. Kevin Krejcik, senior editor, science news at the Earth Institute, sat down with Einat to ask about this expedition. Welcome, Kevin. Oh, hi there. Glad to be here. Yeah, it sounds like... Um, pretty interesting trip she took there. And I understand one of the reasons she went was to capture images. She had a drone, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, she's, Anat's interest is really lava. It's not explosive volcanoes, it's lava flowing out. And this is a perfect example. Uh, this, this eruption began in March um, and it's been a big deal in Iceland. It's not because it's that dangerous, but just because it's so spectacular. And she was able to take a drone and just fly it over the, the crater as lava was bubbling up. And they're just fantastic images, which um, uh, our listeners can uh, uh, take a look at if they check out the Pot of the Planet website. Yeah, I, I saw some of that video, Kevin. It was, it was really spectacular. So I'm, I'm wonderful that you got a chance to talk to her and really get her um, first person witness of this experience. Take it away, Kevin. Yeah, and I'll just uh, no, I'll just note that um, I've been in the field with her um, a number of times, and she's just a spectacular uh, scientist, a field field scientist. So um, so anyway, here's my talk with with Anat. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. So uh, I understand you went to to Iceland uh, just days ago to uh, fly a drone over a, a volcano that has just started recently erupting. So I just want to ask you the, the most important question of all. Uh, this is in Iceland. They've got their own language. Uh, how do you pronounce the name of this volcano? Um, this one is actually not too bad. Um, it's Fagrastai. It's still hard to pronounce. <laughs> Are you, you mean you're telling me you can't pronounce it? Um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. yeah. It looks like Fagrastai, something like that. Fagrastai, y'all. That's, oh, that sounds better. Do you know what it means? No. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's, yeah, the, there's names for the different valleys that it's going into. And Gildinger Gudelir is one of the names that comes up also as the name of the volcano or the valley or the rift. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's been happening there and, and since when? I think it started on, um, so the eruption has started on March 19, and um, there were fissures opening on, uh, on a volcano that's been dormant for many years, for thousands of years. Um, and there's kind of been a sequence of fissures or cracks that opened. Um, and they were fairly small and not a lot of lava coming out of each of them. Um, but then about a month ago, the eruption started focusing in um, what's called vent number five and um, been flowing out of that in a pretty continuously um, consistent 
raised. Mm -hmm. And what was expected to happen was predicted in some span of time? Yeah, so the area of the Reykjanes um, Peninsula that's uh, in southwestern Iceland is very volcanically active um, in general. It's all, all of Iceland is made of volcanic material. And um, this area has seen an uptick in seismic activity um, over a couple of months um, this winter. And they started to suspect that something will start happening. Um, and so they placed, uh, paid close attention to it and then um, fairly quickly realized there was two areas of um, elevated earthquakes. And so that gave the idea that it's probably an intrusion, it'll get into intrusion called a dike underground um, between those two um, actively seismic areas. And then um, they it was hard to tell what exactly the location would be where it would pierce the ground, uh, the surface, but mm -hmm. that essentially that happened as well. Yeah, and so how, how big is this thing? Is it a very big volcano or is it like a little one? It's pretty little right now. I mean, um, it's, it's a vent. I don't know what the dimensions are right now, but probably about 500 meters across each way. Mm -hmm. So it's not not a giant. Uh, I could I could thing. make some measurements from the the drone footage when I get to it. Yeah. So uh, so this is a type of volcano that's it's pushing out lava. It's not exploding. Um, can you explain the difference between those two types of volcanoes? And is one more dangerous than the other? Um, yeah. So volcanoes erupt in general in two manners uh, in what's called effusive eruption where the lava come, kind of oozes out of the opening and a big explosion and those have uh, rings of how big or how fast um, the magma comes out um, which called which we called explosive in um, explosivity index or the VEI um, can tell you how big the explosion is um, but eruptions can be big also if they're just oozing out because there's a lot of material comes out. This one is small on all scales um, because the, the rate at which magma is coming out of the vent is not, is not very fast. Yeah, this one, um, I, I, I think that it's fairly close to Reykjavik, the, the capital city, but it's not that close. There's no real danger from this, is that right? No, so it's, uh, it's about half hour drive, so about 20 miles. Um, I might be wrong on the distance exactly, but um, uh, from the city. And the main concern when the vent was starting to form was which way the lava would go. If it was gonna flow to the north, it was gonna be a bigger problem because then over maybe the month of an eruption like that can last, it was maybe going to cut the main road between the international airport and Reykjavik. That was going to be a bigger problem. Um, turns out that the lava is actually going south so far and it's going into valleys um, that are not used for very much um, and even if it extends over down south to the, the main road, that road is not going to be cutting off that many communities from anything critical it might be put, the, the main concern right now is that um, there's a large 
fiber optic cable that might get um, impacted by lavas if if indeed it lasts for many months and mm -hmm. um, and the flows go all the way to the coastline. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know that you're you're most interested in in these so-called effusive volcanoes. You're you're into lava, not the explosive ones. Uh, what when you go to one of these eruptions, what what are you hoping to learn, um, both in a I don't know abstract uh, scientific sense and maybe a practical sense? Right. Um, what I try to learn when I go to visit is um, gain some intuition because a lot of my research is kind of theoretical on a basic fluid mechanics of things. And it's always good to be reminded of how things really behave in nature. So, you know, for example, we can we model a lava flow propagating as a uniform viscous liquid, but then when you stand right next to one, um, it's just a good reminder that it's much more complex than it really than some of our models can capture. Yeah, it's good to to get that intuition always reminded. Um, but also the data that we collect, I look at the lava in a way as the natural laboratory for magma in general, because um, it's the one place where we can see the natural fluid coming out and behaving as it should. Mm -hmm. And um, so I look at, for example, how the lava flows within a channel, and then I try to study the mechanical properties and the thermal properties of it, so that we can then put it into models of not just how lava moves at the surface, but how magmas go inside volcanoes. Mm -hmm. So how close to this uh, flow did you get? Um, you can stand just next to the outskirt of it, no problem. Um, yeah, did you roast a hot dog or anything? Like, I did people not doing roast that? a hot dog. I can send you some videos, but we're basically just standing right next to it. It's kind of so kind of crazy because like some of the places we stand, the, the lava flow is right there, and it goes and it burns the moss, and we just sit next to it and just look at it and every now and then a block falls off and exposes the the interior that is still glowing and molten and liquid um and people are taking selfies not right next to it which is maybe not the best move really a lot of tourists lots of tourists um wow. mostly mostly local uh, mostly i found it because the country yep. until recently was closed to external tourists due to covid now, so, but uh, you you took this drone footage, you filled the drone over the volcano. That was actually pretty much focused on the crater itself where the, the lava was erupting. How close were you to that? Um, I think my closest approach was about 100 meters above it. That's the drone. What about you? The drone. I was um, 600 meters away. Safe enough, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Was your was your drone ever in um, danger? Um, I tried not to put it into danger. <laughs> I wanted to get it back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, I mean, it was the only the one time that it was a little bit in danger was when I was trying to linger along um, near the vent to capture the next explosion because they come every eight minutes or so nowadays um and my battery was starting to go low and the drone was you know 
mad at me and trying to come back and I'm like no I want to see the next the next one and then it's like okay fine yeah and it's spectacular um, I mean um, listeners can see for themselves in the video but um, just try and describe if you can what you saw through the eyes of the drone yeah it's it's extremely spectacular I I don't have words for it really um, just looking down into the vent or just flying around it it's the, the vent itself is so fresh that it's still shiny. Um, it, it has this very thin layer of glass that, that forms on, a, on the lava when it solidifies. And it gets lost very quickly because it gets eroded by the elements. But um, because it's so fresh, it just formed. Um, everything is super shiny. And, um, and then looking into it, um, it's just this bubbling um, pool of, of glowing red and orange and yellows and black and it just kind of sit there and um, when there's a little bit of bubbles coming through then you get kind of a dome of the, of the lava surface and, and there's a ripples so it really just flows around and um, once you look at it enough, you realize that it kind of tells you what it what is about to do. So when you see things starting to get more dynamic and look and spilling out uh, into the spillway, um, and you know that there's a big slug coming through and there's going to be an explosion. And there is another um, just uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, the Niragongo volcano mm -hmm. uh, erupted, and people had to actually run. Yes. I think from this lava. What what is it about that volcano that makes it more dangerous? And I think it did kill some people this time and last time. Yeah, yeah. This volcano is. Um, there's some theories about the lava of this volcano being more uh, runny, so it flows faster. Um, then there's arguments against that that say it simply flows faster because it's very steep, unlike. Um, it, it has kind of the, the low viscosity magma, the same as uh, places like Hawaii or, or Iceland, but then um, the volcano itself is, is steep. Right. Uh, I, I forgot to add that, you know, this volcano is in, it borders Rwanda, in yeah. the southern part of Africa. I didn't mention that. Yeah, it's in, um, in Congo. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the flows, when they, when they do have an eruption, they know... Um, that it's going to go quickly, and um, even if it's the same kind of level of viscosity, then it'll go fast. And and it is, it, it did go fast. So mm -hmm. they and there wasn't a lot of precursors, uh, um, from what I understand from my colleagues that monitored this volcano. There wasn't much in terms of um, seismic or geodetic or uh, geochemical signals that uh, predicted that they could predict that. Mm -hmm. Well, as I understand, there's not too many of these sort of active boiling lava lakes in the world, only a handful at a time, right? Yeah, yeah, there's um, about seven, give or take. And how many of them have you been to? I've been to just the one in Kilauea. Uh -huh. I think the Iceland one counts, no? Oh, in terms of volcanoes or lava lakes? Maybe, there, maybe there's a, a, a difference. Uh, looking at your drone images, that looked like a lake to me. The boiling lake. 
it's a lake but i mean it's it's an open vent it's not mm -hmm. i don't think it qualifies as a lake quite yet maybe someday so uh where where next I think the definition is that they need to be larger than a certain amount and fill up a bigger than a pond yeah <laughs> so where are you going next you know or where I would you wanna, like to go i want to go back to iceland as soon as possible it's just unbelievable i mean um beautiful but i mean um if there was anything i could do to help in congo i would try and do that i don't know if people visiting is necessarily what they would need um mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to impose or make them such resources um so at the end so at the end of your um of your video, you credited your, your staff or your field people. One of them was this this person named Ella Lev. Is that any relation to you? My daughter. How old is she? She's eight. You took an eight-year-old to a, a boiling volcano. Okay. Maybe she maybe she's gonna follow in mom's footsteps. Yeah, you should see her explanation videos, as we call them, where she stands in front of the camera and explains. Oh, maybe we could post some of those too. Yeah, we can do. We should do that. Okay, that'd be great. Uh, not thank you so much. Real yeah. pleasure to talk to you again, and hope to see you at the next eruption. You too. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin Krajic, and your great interview with uh, Inat Lev. And all you listeners out there, please do check out the drone footage. It is absolutely amazing, and really goes to show how close our scientists can get to uh, the action. So, Marie, yeah. see you next time. Thanks, Francesco. Yeah, that footage is amazing. Absolutely. So next time on Pod of the Planet, World Oceans Day, which is June 8th, I will have an interview with Lamont Darty, Earth Observatory, ocean geophysicist, Vicki Farini, who will talk about her amazing expedition mapping the seafloor. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.